What's up, everybody? This is Gratitude Unfiltered. <laughs> I am your host, Joshua T. Bergland. What's up, everybody? You know, time to, uh... oh, wow. Okay, I can't believe I'm doing this. So for the, I, for the last week, I have a um, really quick thank you, radio audience, podcast audience, and of course, Facebook and YouTube. Thank you guys, and PSTV, thank you for supporting the show. You may not after this. Um, a week ago, I went on a very popular podcast and was asked a lot of really hard questions, um, real, making me realize that I haven't really talked, like, I've shared a lot on the show. We talk about some heavy subjects and in an effort to show you that how we get to be grateful and how we get to overcome, um, how we have the opportunity to use all the things that hurt us to ultimately set us free. But when I'm getting asked these questions on the Sex and Society podcast, I'm realizing just how many more people are hurting. And... Um, Take a breath. I don't know what that means. Uh, oh, breath. <laughs> Thank you, Veronica. Hey, what's up, Stefan? Good to see you guys. I um, and then I really felt led that because there was a lot of questions that didn't even get to get answered on that show because we only had an hour. And then I thought, okay. And then it was kind of stirring up inside me that I feel like I really need to talk about this. And then about four days in a row, I heard stories of people committing suicide. That have very similar stories to me. And see that the thing that, it doesn't bring me comfort to know that there's other people like me at all. <laughs> it doesn't bring me any comfort at all. Um, but it, it, it is what motivates and fuels my desire to basically cut myself open and say, yeah, here's some really ugly stuff and this is what I get to overcome and this is what I struggle with, this is real life. And there's such a stigma around people that are Christians, and there's a lot of people that are Christians that have my faith that are probably hiding in deeper, darker shadows than I've been in, because I've seen some of them there. <clears throat> but the, 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 the days in a row hearing about suicide and hearing about people that were suffering, and me personally knowing people that were like me that committed suicide, it's really destroyed, like it's really affected me. And three days in a row, I almost hopped on and did an impromptu live just to talk about this because it was burning in my heart. And I needed to make sure that this was the right thing to do because honestly, this is gonna piss off a lot of people. This is gonna gross some people out. This is going to offend some people. There's gonna be people that share my faith that will turn their back against me. There are gonna be people that may be inspired um, and there's going to be some people that have a mirror held up to their face and they're not going to like it very much. And some of you 
are probably sitting next to someone right now that may have something very, very similar story. And I, um, I can't make right any of the things that I've done. But if I can have a hand in breaking the cycle for other people, encouraging people to speak out and to get help and to do the things so they don't have to go through the, go down the path that I did, then it, this is worth it. Because I made a commitment five years ago that my life was no longer my own and this is part of it. But um, I want I have to start this by saying that I'm, um, I've apologized to my family over and over again, but you know, every time I do this, I know it has to kind of hurt. <laughs> but there's two people in my life that I wish that I could apologize to and they actually understand that I mean it. And that is my ex-wife, Stephanie. <laughs> and um, my ex-girlfriend of five years who stood by me through a lot of crazy stuff. Um, and she was <laughs> right in the middle of it with me too. Uh, Karen, I, I, can't, I can't heal the hurt. I really believe that there's only one person that can do that, but the amount of remorse and sadness I still feel around that is, um, I carry it with me. I mean, I've forgiven myself, but I still hurt for them because I know I caused them a lot of pain and I can't take it back. So I just, I want, I'm, I'm so sorry to them, but getting into this suicide thing. So I need to talk about, there's some really crazy statistics. I mean, like you hear about suicide, but then we get into the details and we talk about with, with suicide, you know, there's obviously a mental health aspect. There's a the depression aspect. You know, people with borderline personality disorder have a really high suicide rate. People that have just identity disorder um, have a really high suicide rate. And, you know, and I don't know how I am still alive. Honestly, I don't. But I was reading, I've been reading about this, but the general risk factors for suicide identified over the past several decades include a family history of suicide, childhood maltreatment, mental illness such as BPD, antisocial personality disorder, depression, schizophrenia, and then of course struggling with substance abuse and chronic hopelessness. What is not mentioned in there is sexual identity disorder. And this is what I want to talk about because I feel like I've kind of alluded to talking about struggling with my sexuality um, and, and, and the, the drug use. I've talked about that. I've talked about mental health aspect of it, but I haven't gone into some details that probably need to happen because just talking about that, it, it just gets glossed over. And there's a lot of people that are hurting in secret. And I don't want any more people to commit suicide over this, especially with the belief that God doesn't love them. The reason I get so irritated and so frustrated with judgments is because I remember what it's like to sit there and listen and feel like God didn't love me or to feel shame and guilt and hate myself and just want to kill myself that much more. I don't have all the answers about sexuality and I, the sexual identification. I don't have a freaking clue, but I'm hoping by sharing everything I'm about to share with you right now that 
maybe some of you will wake up to understanding how stuff happens. And then the other part of it is that maybe there'll be some compassion for others that are hurting. And two, that maybe we can be, especially the Christian community and the Muslim community, maybe they can be a little bit more um, loving and um, non-judgmental towards people that are gay, um, people that are, are bisexual, people that struggle with not knowing like maybe we can have more compassion because I'm going to bear everything right now at the risk of alienating everybody, but I feel like it needs to be discussed. It's sick. It's disgusting. All of it. I'm not proud of any of it. But I also think it's important to show where I'm at today and what the real truth is with where I'm at. And this is after walking with Christ every single day for five years. So I've talked about being molested. I've talked about it, you know, I've mentioned it, but just to get real clear. So when I was molested, I was anally penetrated by another man and forced to give oral sex for a, another, uh, unto another man. I'm not gonna get into the physical abuse stuff today because it's not about the physical abuse. But I was told after that happened that if I ever said anything that I was going to have my ass beaten and blah, 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 and everyone's going to know I'm a faggot. And I didn't know what a faggot was at seven years old. I didn't know. I didn't know any of it. I didn't know what it meant. But I didn't know I was scared. But I also didn't understand what it was like. Because I'm having these nightmares about what happened to me. But then I'm having these other thoughts during the day and just this curiosity of what the heck all this is. What is sex? What is what happened to me? Why am I now already stimulated by images that I see on TV or in magazines already searching for any type of pornography possible? Being obsessed with men and women, like just not like just this crazy curiosity of not knowing what was what and and then I'm having these nightmares and to keep in mind I'm freaking terrified of men like I my father was abusive and 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 then then of course then I have these two older guys telling me they're going to kick my ass if I say anything about what had happened and of course it happened again too like it didn't stop there it kept happening so curious already at that age of like in self-exploring like with my, i'm being a little graphic but with my hands and fingers and trying to like understand already masturbating like a freaking crazy person seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen years old being so sexually mature already where i'm finding porn already and i'm obsessed with both understanding what's going on with the man and woman. But again, I don't know anything that's happening or what's going on except for the fact that I'm having nightmares. By this time, I started, like I'm already full of rage and acting out and thank God for sports, but man, I'm already acting out. And by the time I got to see a counselor when I was around 13 years old, I, she asked me what was wrong with me, what was going on. She asked me if something happened to me. And I told her about being anally penetrated and forced to give oral sex to another guy. I was told that it was normal for little boys to do that. 
Around this time, also, I'm hearing the words faggot and actually understand what it is. And the, and the connotation of faggot was so negative. So already I'm feeling shame because I don't know what's happening to me. I'm 13 years old. I don't know what's going on. And, but I, all I hear is faggot. You're, this is a bad thing. In church, I'm hearing sex is for man and woman. Why am I told that it's normal for little boys to do this? Now I'm told I'm going to hell. And then I'm going to set told I'm going to be told I'm a faggot. If I say anything, what is going on? Angry. Going into high school, um, I was in a relationship for two and a half years with an amazing woman that I was actually probably the last healthy relationship I had, except for the fact that I sabotaged that like nonstop because it didn't feel good enough. Um, she's a doctor now. She's actually an amazing human being. Um, God, I was so, I was, I felt like I was dating out of my league the whole time. And, um, after we broke up, I shared a little bit about this last week on a different show, but after that I went full on promiscuous having sex already having threesomes seeking to revisit some of the things that had happened, but I didn't feel safe with men, but yet I'm having those fantasies and like wanting to understand what's real and what's not. So already in high school, I'm going down a very dark path sexually, one that no one really knew about. Going into college um, after football ended for me, I got into cheerleading. And that is when I discovered drugs for the first time. With discovering drugs, I discovered that now all of a sudden I quit hating myself for these thoughts that I was having and these nightmares that I was having of being raped became fantasies of things that I wanted to happen. And I started aggressively exploring ways to make that happen. Around this time, they had AOL chat rooms and Yahoo chat rooms and was discovering that you could go hook up with people that you didn't know. Um, and I would do this under the influence of cocaine and, and drugs. Uh, another, well, it was cocaine then. Um, ecstasy freed my mind. Cocaine made me, like, drove me to explore. And I was already awkward as it was, so I immediately discovered the shadows. It got to the point where anytime I could get my hands on cocaine, I was going off and exploring. This is like in college. When I went to college in Florida, when I went to college in Hawaii, um, you know, and then I started to discover like porn stores where you could go in and watch like videos and masturbate. And sometimes there was a hole in the little area. And you can guess with imagine, you can imagine what goes on there. So instead of being grossed out or disgusted by that, I became pretty much addicted to that, addicted to porn, addicted to doing cocaine all through college and exploring. The thing is, is that I never felt safe with men, yet I would do drugs and go put myself at risk. I was looking for, you know, situations where uh, I would be with a woman that I liked and then we would bring another man in. But when that wouldn't happen and after enough cocaine, I would go explore on my own. This didn't really hurt anybody. 
I mean, you know, that I knew of. This didn't hurt anybody until um, I decided, I, I found out when I was in Boca Raton, Florida, it was OU Texas football game. I was playing, I remember it was halftime, I got a call. We were all outside stunting and having fun. Um, and I got a phone call finding out I had a three and a half, a three-year-old daughter. So I go home to Oklahoma, I moved back. And um, because, you know, I need to be a dad. And, um, but I knew I wasn't fit to be a dad. The mom was using meth and I was doing cocaine. I, that's when I actually discovered meth for the first time was through her. Um, and of course that just spiked the sexual, being sexually insane, crazy. Um, I got married to a woman because I thought she was gonna make me a better man. I got so drunk on our wedding night that on the car ride home, I, I, I got so drunk the night of our wedding, I was actually um, talking to a male bartender and I was trying to get cocaine from him so I could go hook up with him and that was on my wedding night. On the way home in the car, I told her about my sexual past. She didn't like that and said, I wish you would have told me this before we got married. <clears throat> but the thing is, is that while this is going on, I didn't really know what was real for me because there was so much shame around that. And I still thought I was going to hell. And that's part of the reason why I found so much comfort in drugs and alcohol, because it made me feel like I'm normal. She um, asked me if I was gay or bi, and I said, no, 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 I'm fine. It was just some crazy stuff, blind to my teeth. Because the whole time that we were dating, and then even after we're married, I was seeing massage girls and escorts because, to be honest, that's who I felt comfortable with. That's who I felt safe with because I knew that I wasn't normal and normal people were going to judge me and ridicule me. So I started this double life. And um, it, it, it was, I was going, getting away with it until I got arrested with an escort. Actually, it was a cop. I thought it was an escort, but it was a cop. And um, I went to jail and, you know, my name was all over the, <laughs> every national newspaper you can imagine. Um, my, there was a link to my home address um, on John TV. <sighs> it was one of the first times I put my family to public shame. So I got caught and then I just, I made up some excuse that they believed and I decided to go to SA, like sexual, Sex Addicts Anonymous. And um, I just, I, I, it was, there was priests in there that had touched little boys and there was other people that were kind of, they were kid touchers and it just didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't like the way I felt, but I was just forced to go because I'm like trying to save the marriage that I didn't want to be in. And then, you know, and now we have twin babies I forgot to mention that we had twins um, and um, I just didn't want to be there and I was forced to get a sponsor. And, and so when I did, I, I agreed to meet the guy before the, the event started, like the, you know, SA meeting. 
and I'm getting, getting in his car and we're going to go get coffee. And I'm, he's asking me the story about what happened. Like, why am I in SA meetings? And so I started telling him about my story and about being molested. And I started telling him about getting arrested. And um, so he proceeded to do what anybody would do. He reached over and grabbed my penis. And um, I punched him. And uh, got out of the car, walked back to my car, and for about six months, pretended to go to SA meetings. I would read some, a chapter out of the book and I would make up something and repeat it to my wife at the time and tell her I'd been, but actually I was doing cocaine and having sex with this girl, just some random girl. Um, and I, that's who I was seeing every time I said I was going to SA meetings. It got to the point that I got really tired of hiding. And, um, <clears throat> and I just quit coming home and I was doing cocaine at my office until like literally all night long and, um, not coming home. And, um, until that I got caught with that. But again, this whole time I'm cheating and exploring, doing all of these things and, um, going, <laughs> I agreed to go to rehab after getting caught. Like I just, they got to the point that I couldn't hide it anymore, but I'm, I go to rehab and, um, and eventually that's where I confess. And I was so happy in rehab. I mean, I was clean. Oh, so sick. I was there for three months and uh, two and a half months. I was so sick at first. Um, but that's where I confessed to cheating. And, um, 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 and she packed up my stuff and, you know, she was gone. And fast forward after getting out of rehab, got to a point where I couldn't afford child support and spousal support. Um, and and um, I ended up giving up my kids for adoption. And I have not seen them since. And that's been over like 12, 13, 14 years. I block it out. I don't, I try not to think about it. So you think rehab would have changed my life, but the fact is it didn't because I was still hurting and I really didn't want to be in rehab. I was happy there because I was away from everything, but I went back to doing drugs pretty quick because um, I wasn't doing the work to stay sober. And um, I, at this time, I was still very, very confident that I, you know, like I, I'm, I'm, I want to explore this other side of me because I want to know if it's real. Like I'm still having these, these fantasies in my head. I'm still having these, these thoughts that I can't control. Um, and so I'm going to use drugs to explore. And so all I wanted at this time was I just wanted to like to meet a girl that would accept the side of me because I still didn't feel safe with men. Yet I'm doing drugs and having sex with men. I meet my second wife who literally is the nicest human being on the freaking planet. I mean, I don't know what she's like now, but because um, I have a tendency to, to wreck people, but she was the nicest person in the world. In fact, it was kind of freaking annoying <laughs> how nice she was. And um, she accepted me for me. She knew that side of me. I would call her when I was high on meth or coke and, you know, like tell her all these crazy things. And she was like, oh, I love you anyway, blah, blah, blah. And I convinced her to, um, to explore with me. And she did. So we started bringing in other guys into the bedroom. 
and we would do cocaine and we would have sex and that happened a few times and then she decided that she loved me too much to share me and i agreed that oh yeah i don't need that life this is not for me i don't need this life until that voice started calling again so i started sneaking off and um cheating with other guys and she found out about it once and forgave me and then it got to a point again where I just got tired of hiding. I would leave my house like at four o'clock in the morning to go sneak off and go. I would leave my house at like weird hours and you know, like say I had to drive to like some faraway town because at that time I worked in healthcare. So like I had a four hour drive, so I need to leave now. So I, I, I would sneak off and do that. And then it got to the point where I just didn't want to be married to this anymore. I didn't want to be in this situation. I didn't want to deal with stepkids. I didn't want to deal with any of that. And I, and I was just getting fed up of like hiding who I was. So I got caught and she divorced me and it was painful because she didn't deserve to get hurt. After we broke up, a little bit later, I ran into what became my ex of five years. At first, when we saw each other again, we had dated before, but when we saw each other again, our, our chemistry and bond could not be mistaken. It was like across the room, oh my gosh. And we became friends. She was reluctantly friends with me because I had broke up with her telling her that I have no business being in a relationship, which was true, but I ended up getting married a month or not. I got engaged a month later and then got married right, like right after that. Um, but she was reluctant to be my friend, but we became friends. But because we were friends, the, 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 the relationship, I felt safe being honest with her and I got tired of hiding. So I told her this is, who I am. I, I wanted to be open and I wanted to have a, a relationship where I like her and I would be together and we would bring in other men and we would have sex. This is the relationship that I told her that I wanted. And that's what I was looking for in a partner. And, um, she was, she was down with it. And then, so thus proceeded more cocaine, more partying, more sex. This was humming along for a while. But the problem was that I got to this place where I could not curb the appetite for what I was doing. The cocaine use picked up dramatically. I mean, easily five days a week, easily. When I was started traveling, um, I would cheat. And when I went to New York one time, I, I cheated again. Um, and I didn't answer the phone when she had called. And that's when she started suspecting that something was off. Of course, I denied it. Of course, I ran from the truth. Of course, I didn't be, wasn't honest with her. Um, but a little bit after that had happened, I kept denying it. I got sick. And I just knew something was off. 
So I went in, um, and found out that I am, I was HIV positive. And I'd taken a test before and that came back positive, but then took a second one and it was fine. And then another one and I was fine. But this time I knew something was wrong. And um, so obviously I had to tell her. It did not go over well, as you can imagine. Told her about cheating and everything else. She decided to stay with me. I don't know why, but she did. Because maybe she saw the man that I could be. Maybe the man I was supposed to be. But she stood by me and loved me anyway. But the problem was that when she would drink and we, we would drink, you know, she would get in her head and, and she would get a little, she was traumatized. She had PTSD from the, what had happened. And she would get really, really angry and upset and we would fight and we would have some bad fights. Um, two of which I went to jail for one time for her. And, um, it was very violent. There was other times that we could have easily gone to jail, both of us, because she didn't trust me. I caused her to have PTSD. I know she had a traumatic past before me, but I know I didn't help things at all. And so the sixth time I'd been in jail total, um, in the, the last time with fighting with her, that's when I've told you, I shared the story about I'm when the cocaine's wearing off, like I go to jail and I tell them that I have HIV thinking it's going to give me special privileges, but instead they put me in the psych ward, like in isolation in LA County where all I can see is, or and I can't see anything. I can just hear the screams of crazy people next to me. By day two, I'm begging for something to read to distract me, and I, they won't give me anything. And for some reason, I remembered, hey, you have to give me a Bible. You have to give me a, yeah, you have to give me a Bible. I saw that in a prison show. You need to give me a Bible. They brought me a Bible. So after going through, like, I'm trying to read it, none of it's making sense. None of it's making, I'm like this, what? Of course, I was started with, like, Genesis and then Re uh, Revelation, which is not the best book to start reading in jail, by the way. Um, but then I remember my friend, John, and I was like, oh yeah, I used to party with that guy. Now he's a preacher. I'm going to read John. So I started reading John, then Proverbs and Psalms, and then going back to Proverbs. And as I've shared before, I start reading all these lines going, I'm doing that wrong. 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 And, um, that's when I get in the shouting match with God and I'm screaming at God, why won't you fix me? Why won't you change me like everybody else? Just screaming. You have to forgive your father. How in the hell am I supposed to do that? After what he did to me, what he did to my brother, what he did to my sisters, what he did to my mom. Because it happened to him too. That is when I was able to have compassion for my father, ultimately begging my father forgiveness, begging my father to forgive me for going to his funeral high on cocaine. Forgive me for being late to his funeral because I was high on cocaine. 
forgiving him for all the anger and hatred that I, I like begging him because I hated him. I hated him. But understanding that it happened to, who, to him gave me compassion. And that's when I made a decision that has forever changed my life. But this is where I get to talk about this current reality that I want to shine light on. I gave my life to Christ. I ended up getting out of jail four days later. And I, after making this decision to serve, like to no longer <laughs> focus on the things that I wanted to do, I was going to focus on the things that I knew I was supposed to do, the things that I've been prepared, being prepared for since I was a child. So I, I get out of jail on the streets of LA and I have this renewed, and anyone who's given their life to Christ knows that feeling of like floating for like months. <laughs> and, and then reality sets in. Um, <laughs> like the spiritual high is a real thing, but when it goes away, it's like, crap, where'd God go? But I'm on the streets and like, I'm making this decision that I'm going to pursue God. But this whole time, and this is what I want to talk about. All of that was to get to this. This whole time I was shaming myself going that, that in my past, that those me sleeping with men, being bisexual, open-minded, whatever you want to call it. I hate the freaking labels, but talk, let's talk about this. I was like shaming myself. That was wrong. I was bad. I'm going to hell for this. And I've been, re I've been changed from this. That lasted about three months. And then came the triggers. Bad enough that my girlfriend was a trigger, bad enough that we drank together still, um, even though I tried to, you know, I would stop sometimes, but like she was a trigger for me because just looking at her, like I was into her and she had triggered those old fantasies and I just wanted to explore it. And, but I would shut it down. I would, I would shut it down and not say anything. I would not say what was going on in my mind. I wasn't saying, I would not talk about these fantasies because I felt like if I brought it, if I said something about it, then I'm going to be shamed. She wouldn't trust me anymore. And here's the problem. She didn't trust me anyway. Like, even though I turned my life around and I quit doing drugs and I was not partying and like, I was just being like, and I was in the word focusing on God. She would get in these in her head that he's, he's cheating on me. And I wasn't. And we'd get in these colossal fights still. But the truth was the entire time I'm battling with this, these, these thoughts and these feelings that I can, could not get rid of. And the more I tried to run from those feelings, the more I tried to run from those mental triggers or those, or like if she hurt me, if she said something abusive to me, and I'm not acting like I'm innocent here, okay? I'm not. But when she would get angry at me and scream at me and call me AIDS dick and call me other things and call me a faggot, and all of those things, when she would say that to me, it would hurt me. And then that wheel of, I'm in pain now. I'm in pain. Now I'm going to go act out sexually. Because that was the thing that made me feel better. That was the thing that made me feel normal. Sex from childhood on has been the comfort blanket that I've always, that has been my go-to. The thing that has brought me comfort was sex and drugs, not so much alcohol, because alcohol always led to drugs. I, I could not drink without wanting and craving cocaine or meth. 
I already, I have it down. Like I know after four tequilas, no, I'm sorry. After six tequilas, I want cocaine. After one vodka, I want cocaine. I don't want cocaine with beer. With wine, I don't want cocaine. With whiskey, yeah, pretty much I want it immediately. Like I already, I like I know these things in my head. And this is, I'm getting triggered by the person that I love the most because she's hurting me. And then, then I want to just go do it. But then I fight it and fight it and fight it and fight it until that moment of like, wait a second, I have some time. And then I figure out how to get my hands on drugs. And then I go act out again. And then I started shaming myself, of course, because this is wrong what I've done. I'm going to hell for what I've done. This is wrong for what I've done. I get back really, really get focused on God and in my relationship with God after one little minor relapse. And I'm just like, cleanse me of this, get rid of this. I don't want this. I don't want to feel this way. I don't want, I want a loving, committed relationship with the woman I love. That's all I want. But yet every freaking time we would fight, I would get triggered and want to act out sexually or I would tell her, I'm so I keep forgetting this part. I would try to force her like to go sleep with someone else, go sleep with another guy. Eventually I wore her down, but it wore her down after about three years of just like living like pretty peacefully, like not having these massive triggers, not being taken over. Um, but the, these urges, I was doing really, really well. But when I got kicked out of the Ascension Leadership Academy, it brought on a full freaking trigger. I hated her because I blamed her because she accused me of sleeping with every man and woman that was a part of my leadership group. None of it was true at all. But she accused me. We got in a huge fight outside of the event and I get kicked out of ALA. So I quit caring at that point. I hated her and I blamed her for what happened. So while not caring, I discovered how I could get my hands on meth. Because I didn't really have a hookup for it, but I discovered how to get it. So when I refer to the relapse I had about nine months ago, this is what I'm talking about. I got my hands back on meth and I started acting out sexually again. But she knew about it. Like she was aware of it happening because she was now starting to open up about some of the things that she wanted. And we we opened Pandora's box again and started acting out sexually. Um, I did some really bad stuff. And um, I don't need to go into detail because I'm not going to trigger anybody. But the fact is that I was hooking up with guys again. And she was going in, she hooked up with another guy and like, we were like organizing different, you know, events to happen. But while this happened, as I'm going off the deep end again, I share this story and I want to share it again because it matters. Like I'm the whole time this is going on. I hate her. I'm just wanting to degrade her sexually. I'm wanting to act out and just hurt myself. I'm wanting to feed this demon that's inside me 
that is like, because I'm just wanting to do drugs and have sex and die. That that's what I want to do. And at the same time, I didn't care what was happening to her. But then all of a sudden, God came to me as I was coming down. And God looked me, and he was right here in the corner of my eye. And he goes, I am going to let you go through all of this, but I got you. I'm not letting you go. I'm not letting you go. But it's going to hurt. Told you days in a row, messengers came to me. Annie Lobert from Hookers for Jesus. Lauren Michaels-Harris was number two. They will all back this story up. Um, and then there's three other people um, that I didn't know who they were. They randomly got my phone number and they delivered messages to me that got me to this place of surrender and like just allowing and quit trying to control. And, 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 and that's really when my world opened up for me. But one of those things that I learned during, that, during this experience is I get to quit having sex. And by stopping having sex, it revealed to me that that is the only reason why Karen and I were still together was the sex. And I wasn't strong enough to leave because it was a very toxic relationship. I got the courage to leave, but a lot of that courage happened because I've shared, you guys know that I married someone I didn't know. Um, that came through interviewing her on my show. I got a vision of her and I serving around the world together. And you, if you know me, I really believe in my visions and I'll go after them. It doesn't matter how much sense it makes. I'll just do what I'm called to do. And um, so I asked her after the interview three days later, like I'm on my way bolting. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I moved to Las Vegas um, for two weeks. Because this is around the time I started getting visions of Las Vegas. The next thing I know, I'm moving to Las Vegas. And um, that's where, you know, I, I meet the person I, for, for two days before we go get married and, um, in, in Arizona, married again, someone I didn't know. Um, but, and we bonded on the fact that I didn't want, I wanted to quit having sex and I didn't want to have sex before marriage. I went through a deliverance to remove all of this, these spirits from me and the soul ties that I had from the hundreds of sex partners that I've had, men and women. And um, I, um, I, 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 so I leave and obviously my uh, Karen is extremely like it, it, it destroyed her for a long time. Um, and she of course hates my guts now and rightfully so she should hate my guts for the way I left, but she did tell me to get the F out and told me to leave. And then of course I went straight and got married to someone I didn't know. Um, and that didn't exactly work out except for the fact that it worked out for both of us. But in, in, in doing this, I really got to understand just how screwed up sexually I am. Embracing not having sex, you know, really exposed some of what my triggers are and allowed me to get really close to God and trying to understand how to harness this energy another way. In marrying someone I didn't know and not feeling safe in that relationship, and I'm not saying this is not 
this is not about her. It's not, a, it's just like, there was a couple things that had happened that made me not feel safe. And people that understand borderline personality disorder, that is a massive issue. And I did not feel safe with her at all. And I did not want to have sex with her. Didn't want anything near it, but you know, my triggers became very much alive. And so the reason I'm sharing all of this stuff with you and, and talking about this is because I spend about two to three hours every single morning with God. I, I, I pray, um, I write, I meditate, I listen to audio, I soak in the word. I believe in God's promises. I am aligned with God's purpose for my life. And I love the Lord with all my heart. I don't give a crap who that offends. Um, it is Christ who changed my life. But I want to talk about this and, and, and say that that is not taken away my triggers. It is not taken away the thoughts that I have. And, you know, and it's tough. And so I know that there's a lot of people living in, in, in secret, like they're sneaking off and, you know, maybe they're, they're on a hookup app. Um, like I've spent plenty of time on hookup apps. I've been to bathhouses. I've done a lot of really dirty things and, um, and, and, and they're sneaking off. Like, so their wife's at work, they sneak off, they go play and then they go back home and they act like everything's fine. And the truth is that everything's not fine. The damage that's being done by living secret lives is a very, is a very, um, Sometimes it's a silent killer, but it gets it gets to be something that is 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 devastating and it traumatizes the people because guess what? Eventually people find out. Eventually your secret's not safe. Eventually um, you do get exposed. And you know, I expose myself, um, not literally, but I expose myself because I don't want to go back into the shadows. I don't want a corner to hide. I don't want to be able to let my demons take over and bring me back to that place. Cause here's the thing, like I truly with all my heart want a loving committed relationship with a woman. I, that is what I'm attracted to did not keep me from experimenting sexually and does not keep me from getting triggered. I'll give you an example. I'm in the I'm in the sauna. I work I work out in West Hollywood, and um, at a gym, a nice gym. And um, I'm listening to TD Jakes in in the sauna. And there was two people, two guys next to me. That as I'm listening to TD Jakes and like praying, and I open my eyes, and next thing I know, they're performing oral sex on each other. I'm listening to church. I'm listening to the gospel. I'm listening to God's word. And these two guys are performing oral sex on each other that are both attractive guys. And I get an erection. What am I supposed to do with that? I didn't ask for that. I don't want that. I want a relationship. When I'm ready to start dating again, I want a relationship with a woman. I want to be in love. I want to have a family. I want to have a family. I don't want that in my life, but yet I still have these triggers. So these a-holes these that talk about, that are in the church, that talk about that they've been like freed from this, bull crap, bull crap. 
You don't unlearn what you've lived in for 30 years. 30 years I've been dealing with this. It doesn't go away. You don't pray it away. You make good decisions. You master yourself. But sitting there in denial and living in denial, living in secret, trying to suppress those feelings, those, those thoughts, if you don't bring it to light, what you resist will persist. And the reason I'm talking about this is there's too many people living in shame. If we don't have the courage and the strength to come out and talk about these things that are hurting us, afflicting us, affecting our relationships, affecting our marriage, affecting our work, the crap that we're doing in secret is not just killing you. It's killing the people that love you. It's, it's not creating the space for people to try to understand. It's not creating a, sa a safe place for people to, to understand, we don't even understand human, human sexuality is the most, comp, the most complex thing on the planet. So the why we shame people over what they feel is ridiculous, it's wrong, it's not creating a healthy outlet for people to have a conversation. There's so many people that go off in secret and they experiment and they do this and they do that and they don't talk about it. They're like, yeah, that faggot. I mean, that's what they say. Screw you. Be honest. And, the, and I'm not like trying to have a, 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 a gay coming out rally. It's not it. Or a bisexual coming out rally. I'm not. It's not that. I'm not even saying it's right. But I'm saying we get to talk about it because I've been in some of the, most, the biggest churches in the country, some of the best churches with some of the best preachers you can imagine. And I can sit in a Bible study and I'll talk about this stuff. And guess what happens? I'm not welcome back. How is that Christ's love? And there's people in the church that are band leaders, not calling anybody out. <clears throat> Band leaders, preachers, addicted to porn, cheating on their wives, hooking up with people of the same sex while they're on the stage talking about how you're going to hell if you're gay. Who is that helping? Who is it helping to live a lie? Because at least, at least, at least if we talk about it, maybe we can learn to understand this. I would love to understand what the hell is going on with me sometimes. I would love to understand how to not have these thoughts. I would love to understand why, like, like why people are so afraid to be honest. And I know how hard it is because we're scared, but my God, like it's better than living a lie. I, the people I've hurt, the way that they act out now is not safe. Hurt people hurt people. And someone's got to break the freaking cycle. Someone's got to share the truth because it's the only way you can heal. I'm not talking about this to get a freaking, I, I don't, I'm going to piss off people here. But I would rather you be pissed off with me and know the truth. I would rather create a space for healing because the, 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 it's bad enough with mental illness as it is. But 
mental illness and borderline personality disorder. Oh my God, there's so many people that have it. Like if you've been molested, odds are you have it. And, and especially if you're molested by somebody of the same sex. And here's the thing, like you, like these things happen and, and we don't talk about it, we don't share it, or we go run to the doctor and we get prescribed the medication which makes the symptoms worse and we don't have an understanding of it. Like we get to, the only way to heal is get to the root of the issue and try to understand. I'm so, it kills me. There, there's people on here, I'm not gonna call them out. There's people on here that I know, that I know for a fact, one, don't go to church because of judgment. And yet they are hurting and they want, they need, they want to feel the joy. Cause honestly, I'm ramped up right now, but I'm full of joy. I'm a happy, happy guy because I can stand here and do this without fear of judgment or persecution because I don't care because someone gets to tell the truth because I know I'm not the only one. And then another thing, I know there's other people on here that have had friends that have committed suicide or tried to commit suicide because of exactly what I'm talking about right now. I'm looking at two of them right now. I know. They know people that they love and care about that are battling with this and the shame and the hurt and the judgment and the persecution of, of what they think people will think of them or what people will say about them because, you know, it's cool to say words like, yeah, like to make fag jokes. It's like it's about as cool as being a racist. But they live in so much fear because of the crap that happened and all the judgment and the things that are said, the things that are said in church. I'm not telling you that being gay is not a sin. I'm not saying it, but I am saying it's not for me to judge. I'm not, I'm saying it's not for me to try to persecute, but it is for me to understand and be loving. You know, because I really do believe in stepping into truth. Like, look, I don't know if being molested by two men, my first sexual experience was being anally penetrated and forced to give a guy oral sex. I don't know if that shaped the, my desire for threesomes for the rest of my life. I don't know how to have normal sex. That's why I'm not having sex. That's why I'm not dating right now because I don't know how to have normal sex. I don't know how to have sex sober. I get to heal those things in, um, in my life. I get to, to, to heal the fact that every time I want to have, if every time I have had sex, the first thing I think about having a threesome. I don't know if that happened because that was my first sexual experience. I don't know if I'm triggered by those thoughts with men and women because of being molested by men and women? I don't know. I don't know if I was born that way. I don't know if I was born with two spirits which attracted men that make them think that they could do that. I don't know. I don't know. So who are we to freaking judge anybody when we don't know what the root of this stuff came from? And if it does come from being molested, if it does come from being abused, then guess what? We get to create a loving, healthy place for people to heal and understand and have compassion because somebody's got a skeleton in their closet. We all have them. Well, I don't, they're all out now, but like, man, how is anyone gonna heal if we don't create the space of loving and acceptance? We don't have to agree. Just like a political party, you don't have to agree what Republicans or Democrats believe. But you can be a human freaking being. You can show love. You can show compassion. It's, it's, it's. 
There's so many people that are killing themselves because they're afraid to speak out and they're internalizing the hurt. They're internalizing the shame, the judgment or the judgment they think they're going to get. So they kill themselves. I know plenty. Some of you know some. I don't want to be this way. I want to make this really freaking clear. I don't want it. Anyone that knows me, especially that has gotten to know me over the last few months since I've really just, I've been alone for the first time in my life for a couple months now, and I've created this like space of trying to heal. I have intimate friendships and I talk about stuff because they'll ask me questions and I'm willing to be honest. I don't want to be this way. I don't. I want a healthy relationship with a woman, but I'll be damned if I'm going to judge somebody because they want and love somebody of the same sex. It's not going to happen. I love Jesus Christ with all my heart. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm going to heaven. And this still happens to me. There's just so many people hurting and it's not just about sex. It's not just about they're confused with their sexuality or they don't know. It's not, it's more than that. It's mental health stuff. It's, it's people that are keeping abusers secrets. I'm telling you, if you're keeping the secrets for them, that's not love. You're hurting them worse than you're hurting yourself. I probably destroyed every chance I've ever had of getting a date again when I decide to date. <laughs> but it's true. All of it's true. I'm not proud of anything that I've done. Um, I am proud of who I've become. But even in becoming the man that I am, the person that tries to walk the path that will lead me to being my highest self, to try to be as Christ-like as possible. That is my goal in life every day, is to be as much like Christ as I can be. Um, but it also starts with being honest and being open about things that I struggle with in real time. And these triggers and this part of me that I've battled for 30 years is very much there. Now I choose not to act on it. I choose not to do that. But the thoughts, the feeling is still there. I can't get rid of it if I wanted to. I want to talk about something else too. Um, so I've, I've talked about my dark passenger. I've talked about that before. But I, and I've said what resists, what you resist will persist. And when I, when I quit trying to run from my passenger and just allowing it to coexist with me, I realize that it protects me. I want to talk about something else because again, we don't have answers for this. You can give me your judgment. You can take your interpretations of the Bible. You can give me psychology today. You can give me all whatever you want, but I'm just going to speak from a personal experience here. Just like with the passenger, when I'm in a place of just being Josh, I was asked on the show the other day if I, 
you know, identified as bisexual or straight. I was like, no, I'm just Josh. I'm Joshua. This is who I am. I am Joshua. But these are my heart's desires to, to have a loving, healthy relationship with a woman and have a family. That is what I desire. Do these other things come up? Yeah, they do. I don't act, but this is what I desire. I also, part of the reason why I will not identify is because I will not put a freaking label on anything. I don't label myself as mentally ill. I don't, I don't label myself as, <laughs> as anything but Joshua or the world's mayor, but Joshua. And the reason why is because I notice that when I allow myself just to be the rooted, grounded version of Joshua, and I just keep myself open to love and, and, and to, to allow me to, you know, see the people that I get to help and interact with, um, the people that will come and find me out of the blue and need guidance or need help and want to talk about something, they want to talk about the things that are going on in their head, their little monsters, talk about their mental health, their substance abuse or their, the, the physical abuse they're enduring. Like people come to me all day long with their stuff when I keep myself open. But there's something about closing off energy. There's something when I just get to this allowing and I quit just going, I'm just Josh. And if, if something, if I get triggered by something and then like a, if like a, a, a sexual thought that I don't wanna have, instead of like shaming myself for it, I just kind of laugh at it and go, okay. And then just get back to being. I've noticed that I function a lot better as a human being that way. I'm able, my capacity to love is greater. My capacity to understand is better. My capacity to live in abundance um, is better. Like there's just like no blockages anywhere. But yet if I'm closing myself off where I'm just like, okay, don't look at me and I'm in shame or, or like, oh, I don't want to see that. Oh, oh God. And when I do that, I notice that things just start going wrong. I don't understand that. So some of you energy spiritualist people, maybe you can tell me what that's all about, but I don't know. Does it have something to do with having two spirits? That's a really interesting YouTube video to watch. Um, so like the thing is, I don't know. I don't have the answers. And, and none of you do either. <laughs> so save your judgment for someone else. Quit judging people. Create a space of trying to understand because that person maybe that you're shaming very well could be your kid. I know a couple people uh, that are on here right now that believe that maybe one of their children are gay. Whether they were born that way, they were molested, whatever. How are you gonna shame someone's kid without trying to understand where it came from? Because if we don't start being honest about what's going on with us, not in a victim mentality, but just start being honest about, hey, this is, this is what's up. If we don't start doing that, we will never figure it out. We will never truly heal. And instead, we'll just keep stuffing ourselves with medications and keep stuffing ourselves with alcohol and drugs and living in secret, living a double life and hurting all of the people who do not deserve it. Your secrets as my secrets did, hurt people. And they really hurt yourself. So if you are someone right now that is shaming yourself and you feel guilt 
and you feel like God doesn't love you, you feel like you're going to hell because maybe, you know, you desire somebody of the same sex. If you feel like you're going to hell because of that and you are afraid to walk into church because you're worried about judgment, please reach out to me. I want to show you what Christ's love really is. And it doesn't mean that your life's going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that everything is going to go smoothly and it doesn't mean that things aren't going to be uncomfortable. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have to work, but God does love you. You are perfect the way that you are. And the sooner you own up to that truth, like the happier you're going to be. There's so much freedom and truth. Like I've been terrified all day to talk about these things today. Yet at the same time, I feel like 8,000 pounds are lifted off of me. Because if I offended all of you, if I, if only one person took something away from what I'm talking about right now, that's one less person that may commit suicide. Maybe that's one less person who will hurt their wife or their husband or their children because that ripple effect of hurt doesn't stop at the person that you think you're directly hurting, hurting because see your actions. Like, so I hurt my second wife and cheated on her, wrecked her. So she passed that hurt onto her two children who then started acting out and affected other people in their life. Do you get where I'm going with this? The ripple, of the ripple effect of pain that is caused by secrets is never ending. It's never ending. But if you want to be selfish about it, you're hurting yourself worse. I'm so grateful that God decided to finally talk to me that day in jail. I am so thankful that I have been forgiven and I have been given a new life. But part of the responsibility for that new life is to take everything that afflicted me and hurt me and bring light to it. Not only does it heal and strengthen me, but hopefully it does other people too. You're not... I just, I, I don't want anyone to hurt that doesn't have to. And there's just so much power and truth. And again, I can't make up for the things that I did in the past. But if I can prevent one of you from hating themselves and hurting people that love you indirectly or directly, by convincing you to step out in your truth and to be honest and know that you get to be loved. The first time I ever felt loved in my life was telling people that I had HIV and then that I was not just the abused, I became the abuser. That was the first time I ever felt loved in my life. 
And I'm to this day so grateful, so grateful for Roman Bailey for sponsoring me into the Ascension Leadership Academy and which gave me the courage and the tools to be able to address this. I'm so grateful for my relationship with the Lord that, you know, I, I get to use this. It doesn't mean it's easy, but I can tell you that my world has changed completely by living in truth. So I felt led um, and a responsibility to share some of the ugly details of the past and try to answer some questions. Um, I'm not proud. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions that you guys have. Um, I want to create a space. Like I want to talk about, like if you want to ask me questions about HIV and what undetectable means, um, I'm more than happy to share that because thank God for good med. That as much as I hate big pharma, I'm thankful for the H HIV meds. Um, I'm, I'm, I, cause I get to live healthier at 39 than I've ever been in my entire life. Um, borderline personality disorder and the way that I've gotten on the other side of it. Um, I am so grateful, so grateful because I get to use it in a way that not only empowers me, but it empowers other people. So all these things that were supposed to like knock me down and kill me or to, 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 to run my life have actually helped me thrive and begin to soar. And like, I want to show you how to do it too. Like, cause it's all, it, you get to do it. It's available for all of you, no matter what you've done. And hopefully with hearing what I've done, <laughs> like on this, how long have we been on here? Over an hour, this last hour of me telling you every little dirty secret. I mean, I've already shared all this stuff, but not, not the details. Like I, ew, you know, <laughs> if I get to live in joy, why, why shouldn't you? You're probably more deserving of it than I am. And that's the truth. So anyway, I'm happy to answer any of your, uh, any of your questions. Um, <laughs> this was heavy. Oof. I feel like, you know, like when you see those commercials, like, oh, I need a cigarette. Like that's, I don't smoke, but that's kind of how I feel right now. Nasty as a cigarette. I think I'm of tacos instead. Um, I love you. And listen, um, thank you for creating space for me to do this tonight. Um, I mean this when I say it. If you need me to pray for you, send me a message and I will pray for you. Um, send me details. I mean, I, you can tell me what you want, but um, I'm more than happy to pray for you. And um, thank you for allowing me this space um, to share this with you. And I hope... Um, I hope that this resonated for some of you. If not, I'm going to feel like an idiot. So um, thank you. God bless.